Sup, y'all. Sup, y'all. Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. And I'm Christy. And we're in, you know, it's another scorcher, guys. Like, it's like a million degrees. We're surviving a heat wave. Please bear with us. There it's is a fan on, so I don't know if you'll hear that, but just we, we need it. So it's technically our first scorcher. Literally. It's and not it, another one. And that means if you listen to the podcast, like, you know, I'm I'm Irish in my bones. Like, I need it to be cold and rainy. And like, this is this is not my best. Well, I mean, it is still May, so it's just a little jarring to the system. I think that's why it's so upsetting. Yeah. And it just went from literally zero to 97 because that's how hot it's going to be today. But you know what? It did that last year, too, because remember when we got our boosters, we um, the next day was like a million degrees and I had a fever and I was like, what are the odds of this? Like that in May, it's a, it's this hot and we don't have our air conditioner in yet. I don't remember that far back, to be oh, honest, but it was I terrible. believe that it it's only it's, it's like trauma, so it's in my brain. Well, so we are working women and we're bringing you an episode today, even though it's a scorcher. So mm-hmm. we hope we don't pass out. Yeah. And honestly, we need to start conditioning ourselves because it's coming. Yep. Summer's, summer's coming. coming. Um, yeah. No longer winter is coming. It's summer's coming. Uh, so today we're talking about reboots, We're ta- but more specifically our personal own reboots. Um, so we were kind of thinking of... Um, you know how what well I was gonna say it's not I think it's like reboots and also different phases because mm-hmm. I feel like the phases imply that they are cyclical in some way you know like a reboot well I guess we could get into like what is a reboot <laughs> is it a phase we don't know but there we go change there's can you phases. change and grow or can you grow and change <laughs> there's phases in there just know that yeah so it's something like you know yeah however you want to look at it but like kind of that constant like reinvention of yourself and we were talking about it because obviously everything in pop culture is like rebooted now there's and some of them I'm happy about like the new father of the bride like no see I just love I know I'm just like hoping for the best this is this is a touchy subject for me when it comes to movies because any reboot I am I automatically resistant to because for good reason most of the time they suck yeah no I agree and that's saying like I'm I'm remaining hopeful only for that one will I be disappointed probably but um yeah so there I mean there's always like new iterations of things and we were talking about like if it ain't broke like don't fix it like why are we always doing that but at the same time we're constantly that in search of ourselves and in search of the best version of ourselves. And we have to go through these phases and try things out and try different clothes and music and styles and um, attitudes and <laughs> all Everything. sorts of stuff. Yeah. I mean, getting to the central thesis of today's episode was a little uh, difficult for us, at least for me, because this could go so many different ways. So we were first talking about pop culture reboots how there's so many there's what were you saying there's like a new jersey shore coming out they're mm-hmm. redoing hocus pocus they just did sex in the city so it's everywhere that you turn and it's everything within our specific generation it feels like everything from like the 90s and early 2000s yeah and then we were trying to think of like how that applies to our own personal growth and the phases that we've been through and how i mean for me I'm naturally a very nostalgic person. I love living in nostalgia. And I guess the general population does too because that's why there's so many reboots of iconic movies and shows these days. Well, yeah, and that's that's the question. It's kind of like, is that... Mm-hmm. And that's the one of the questions I have is, is I'm sure that's par- part of it. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it, I'm like... Yeah. Why? We're going to try to keep it light this episode, but it could get very meta because that's just what yeah, happens. You never know, honestly. You really never. Every time <laughs> we're like, no, this is going to be light. I'm like, and then my traumas. Um, <laughs> no, but so and I'm especially I'm somebody that on the Enneagram, I'm a seven. And we've talked about before that sevens are um, constant. They're known for reinvention. Like that's kind of what they do. And it's not in a not good or bad it's just is what it is and I always use like Miley Cyrus as an example of like she's literally has a new persona new vibe every couple of years and she's not trying to be like a poser and authentic she's just trying to find out who she is and so I've had 101 faces like it is too many so I condense them down into just large chunks of time that I'm gonna do some umbrellas under but um yeah, and we're going to kind of talk about, like, what did we take from those phases and bring with us now? What about them are, like, truly, like, we don't know her? Um, and, you know, how does that affect us? And then how, what do we think our next phase will, our next reboot or our next iteration will be? 
would we even count? I guess we had phases when we were kids. Do kids have phases? Because they're kind of, there's things that are kind of forced upon them. Yeah. I think that there's a, yeah, because it's hard. Like, you're so brand new at that point. You don't. And you're not, you have no say over what you, what you're given or what you're exposed to or anything. So it's like, yeah, technically, but they're really your parents doing or your school's doing or whatever. So, um, yeah, like there was an entire time that I was obsessed with worms and like kept them in jars and like, I don't, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like truly, I'm like, what, if you know me, my, I fucking am so scared of bugs. I still do have a soft spot. I try to, you've seen me, I save worms when it rains. Um, but I wouldn't touch them now. Um, and I kept them in dirt in a jar, not just like bare bones and I'm not a monster, but yeah, I grew like shrimp in a laboratory thing in my in my like I was oh wait no those were like what were they called yeah what were they called I don't know like they were shrimp of some kind but they were just like little specks oh my god holy shit with the little microscope that you could like look at them growing in their phases that unlocked a deep memory for Mm -hmm. me totally forgot I still smell I can like smell it sometimes see I never had it I just knew oh my god it's like right on the tip of my tongue I I I know I can see it um, I definitely had not worm phases, but I did. <laughs> I wouldn't say worms were a phase of mine, but I would say that witches and making potions were. So yeah. not too far off maybe from worms. It's like still with the dirt. I would just like take leaves and dirt and flowers, crush them up, say a spell, mm-hmm. and then, you know, live my life. So Yeah, I was very into like um anytime anyone got hurt, I would run over and get like an aloe plant and be like and like peel the skin off and rub it on them because it oh. it like heals it's aloe. No, no, I know. I'm just we but went I was we went different ways with that. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I I went the more like I am I am the earth and I will heal you with the earth. And because wow. I was also same deal like always like trying to mother everyone and like I wasn't interested in making pretend. I just sat there and waited till somebody got hurt and was like, I'll take care of you. <laughs> That's a common phase, as you will see. Um, But yeah, so I mean, there's definitely tons of phases like that. But mine really, I think like for my list, I started in like late middle school, early high school, because that's when I really started having like some autonomy and some say and some real, um, I don't know, idea of who I was a little bit. Yeah. Um, Well, I would say my earliest phase that I can think of that was memorable was also around that time, middle school high school I was very much into ska music Mm -hmm. and I know I try to block that up pop punk and those two genres specifically just they really amped me up I mean I would and I feel like even back then ska kids got made fun of and beat up but honestly like they were so fun like hanging out at ska shows was actually very fun and it would have to almost be though like that mix though of pop punk and ska like I can't I could never just go full ska like I wasn't yeah. out there like wearing like With, like horn section and right 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 like I I loved a good ska band a good ska show but there would also have to be some you know different things sprinkled in as well but mm-hmm. the word skanking I know comes to mind and I did partake if you're too young please google and you're probably going to get a bunch of stuff about like maybe who knows? Girls what? wearing short skirts, something like old school. Like it's, no, it's, it's a dance. Type in skanking. It's dance. literally just. It's like skipping around in a circle, basically. <laughs> That's what we but did. But it, it was the predecessor to moshing. Uh, to moshing, yeah. Right. So, you know, whatever. I own it. I embrace it. There are still some like like I Ooh. just revisited the Catch Twenty Two album the other day because it came up on a Spotify playlist, and I revisited. It was huge. It was, I mean, by far one of my favorite albums, and it was. I just thought it was so good, and I still will go back to it every once in a while intentionally to feel nostalgic, but I'm not just like popping it on to like relax anymore. But back then I did the whole thing, like the the studded belts, the bracelets, like very much Hot Topic, but also like thrift stores because Hot Topic mm-hmm. even was too trendy. Mm-hmm. And anything that was quote unquote trendy was not cool. Like not cool with us. The more uncool you are, the better. And I was just like very much embracing like a rebellious part of me and really set me up for the rest of my life for sure. Where did that, so when did that phase like take place? Would you say like beginning to end years? Probably. Because that was over by the time, long over by the time I met you. Seventh grade. Um, Because I naturally just gravitated towards, we weren't misfits, but it was just like, I don't even know how to describe. We just weren't the popular kids, but we weren't also like 
the really unpopular kids, you know, mm-hmm. like we were just kind of on the periphery. The alternatives. Yeah, the alternatives. We kind of got along, like we got along with other alternatives and, you know, kind of like disgraced the popular rich kids. Because I grew up on the main line. It was mm-hmm. like a very rich that's the thing there's yeah there's a bigger there's a much bigger difference between the like the us and them right 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 yeah yeah so definitely seventh grade and then I would say ska pop punk kind of lasted until maybe like my freshman sophomore year because like freshman sophomore year of high school I started going to warp tour and I still wanted to go see um you know like real big fish and mighty mighty Bostones. but then I was also seeing like less than Jake so it was like that mix again like specifically those two genres and then once my sophomore year of high school, I would say from there, you know, then we commence the hardcore phase, mm-hmm. which we'll get into because we both partook in that. So, yeah, which I so mine, like I said, because mine were so niche, I had I had a bunch of phases going on at the same time, even Um so like I had so many different groups of friends that were all very different. So even within that. There was just a lot going on. So, but my first phase, um, I was like super, if, 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 if I didn't know you, which is like, you would never think this now, but if I didn't know you up until that point, I was very quiet. I was really insecure. I was just, um, by and large, like not, I just wanted to not be seen. I just tried to blend in, do what everyone else was doing just to like not be seen. Then I lost a bunch of weight, as I've always said, is my spiral into like something else because then I started getting noticed and people started commenting on me and I could wear cooler clothes and that started in like seventh grade and it began what I call my I'm a G phase um I'm a G G phase where I mentioned before I had straight up cornrows well you have to like for the kids out there what is G? Oh, a gangsta a true a true gangsta yeah you gotta specify for the young and the old out there yeah um yeah, I mean, and now I would be called an OG, I guess, because mm. I'm so old. Um, I'm an old head. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, like, I was very into, um, like I've said before, wearing Tim's, um, a lot of, like, Tommy Hilfiger. Baby fat. I didn't have baby fat. Mm. Uh, just Juicy Couture, though. I was, like, very, or not even, not Juicy Couture. That was a brand I also never had for some reason. But I had a lot of velour sweatsuits mm-hmm. of the sort. The famed one piece J-Lo, of course, right. with the rhinestones. Um, but then beyond that, I mean, I was wearing a lot of like, even like, I, I don't know what, I was crip walking. I was just, and I was so, I did this thing during that phase, which is so strange. I wore so much powder <laughs> on my face. So when I think of this phase, this is what I want you to think of. I'm blonde. I have blonde eyebrows. I have blonde eyelashes. Okay. I have freckles. I am wearing no mascara. Blue eyes too. And blue eyes. I have no mascara on, no eyeliner on, no eyebrows on. Just a shit ton of white powder and a gloss on the lip and a white eyeliner. Wow. Very um, memoirs of a geisha. It was. (laughs) But then in contrast to... My like bright yellow Tommy Hilfiger t-shirt and a leather jacket and a and Tim's like it was a I mean it was <laughs> something else and during that time it was marked by basically like let me see what else um oh yeah that was the time so basically I was really learning to kind of like fake it till you make it like that's what I was like really although I didn't feel there were elements of me that I definitely that resonated as you know, being a G in that sense of like, because I have a hot headed temper and I can pop off and I am a loud mouth and I don't like people to, I started like finding myself in that. Um, But the rest of it, I just, again, that was what was cool at the time. Like, I remember you literally had to know every word to baby got back. And if you didn't like, don't sit with us. Mm. Like, it's like, you're not welcome here. Um, The other things were, um, oh yeah, started dancing for the first time like I would dance like I was always into dancing but I would never dance publicly and that was the first time anyone told me I was a good dancer and I was like oh and that was a major major um which was also very combined with then my love for DMX and Lil' Kim those DMX and Lil' Kim mark that era for me 110 percent well looking back can you say that there was anything about that phase or that style fashion mindset did you identify with do you think Oh, um, I'm 
I am from a low-income area, so hip-hop and R&B. I, I was raised listening to hip-hop and R&B by my mom and by like a lot of people in my family. That wasn't that part of it wasn't weird. So the music aspect of it was very authentic to myself. Um, but even more so, just like I felt like I connected with that culture because again, I was the same way of like fuck rich people like we don't but I didn't know any rich people so it wasn't like I was hating the other people I went to school with everyone was poor we were just I liked that that whole attitude spoke to me and I knew a lot of people who started doing drugs a lot of people who started participating in the behavior that I heard in like the like the amaji lifestyle it just kind of fit everyone it fit it didn't feel like a bunch of posers it felt like yeah, my friend's boyfriend sells Oxycontin. He's mm. a G. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't I, if you looked at him, you'd be like, yeah, he's a G. Like, yeah. I don't know. So um, for anyone, if you're familiar with Delco, then you get it. If you don't, then just look up Delco and like, you'll be like, oh, yes. Like, right. it's very, I've said before, but like very, oh my God, Fezco. I went blank on his name for a second. That was crazy. From Euphoria. Very Fezco adjacent. So it's like, mm-hmm. it didn't feel inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely different flavors of G. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was definitely very, very common in like Delco for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was just, that's what it was. There really was no agenda. It was just kind of how people grew up. Yeah. And it was like, and it's just, and it's partially what was popular at the time. Like that was having a major moment. Like hip hop and R&B were really kind of everywhere at the time. So it was like not as niche as if it was in the 90s or something like that. But um or even like now, I guess, because it's really not as popular now as it used to be. So it's like, it was definitely every, Jay-Z was everywhere. Like it was just Beyonce. Like it was the beginning of everything. So, but yeah, I think that, so that lasted until, and here's the other thing is, I hadn't been exposed to anything else. Like, so I thought like, yeah, I love this. This is what I identify with. I had no exposure to anything else of any kind other than like the Rent soundtrack and like Broadway like sound of music. Well, yeah, I feel like like the age that we were before your G phase, my ska phase was mm-hmm. like very we were still in that impressionable phase where I still embraced like the like the pop music, like the Britney Spears and like the Leonardo DiCaprio of it all in like the early 90s, like everybody loved yeah. them. So it wasn't unusual, but then I think I cut them off though hard. Well, it's just hard at 7th grade. I was done well I think yeah that's the thing is like we just made like a hard left we found one thing that felt like we identified with it more or it mm-hmm. was just like more intriguing to us for some reason I guess like for with the like the ska and the pop punk of it it, it was just kind of like because I'm trying to think of what it was that attracted me to that type of culture was just I think the feeling of it's so ironic because like all I've ever wanted was to feel included, but I wanted to feel included with the people that weren't included in society. Does that make sense? Like, I guess it's not about well, yeah. who I'm included with, but as long as I feel like a sense of community, which is what it felt like, like it felt like we were, you know, uh, I'm trying to think like just lower on the totem pole in terms of like societal. Uh, well, it's like you said before, your therapist said um, before, you know, like why would you want to, be, Identif- be in the group with yeah. people who are like the oppressors or, right. the, or the, the the mean people basically so I think yeah like so you wanted acceptance and it's like not from you right. like and yeah I think that's kind of why I was so drawn to that because everybody felt that like everyone felt like the outcast like whether it was in high school or just like in general society because we also hung out with like much older people um but yeah, it just felt really good to be a part of that. And it was just fun. Like at that point, it was still for the fun of it. And then somehow I drifted off to a little detour that we know now is like the hardcore phase where we would go to shows where there were like literal gangs and violence and hostility. But it was still like they tried to mask it with this subtext of community still. Like there was, it was but you literally... Were, oh, sorry. Go ahead. It was just like... It was even more divided, though, I felt like, at least, because there were hierarchies even within the well, yeah. outcasted hardcore scene. What's the name of that experiment? Where the cops became the prisoners and the they, oh, the, the bullied people became the... Right. Um, whatever the name of that famous experiment was, that's literally what hardcore is. It's, it's that experiment in real life where the people who are bullied in high school, some of them become cops. The rest of them go to hardcore. 
so then they go to hardcore and they're like i've been bullied my whole life and guess what i'm gonna bully you and like i was being bullied by like literally 28 year old men with children mm-hmm. and like they were bullying me as a like 17 year old yeah um but you went into that phase you went into hardcore before i did a few years before i did and those were important years for me before i got into that because then i was a little bit behind you so like i then after that entered into my um prep phase my prep time phase my prep phase is what I consider what I got into newfound glory and something corporate and the although I wasn't that wasn't the preppy that's what I was listening to while I was wearing a pop collar and a shell necklace and working at PacSun um so I was like like alternative light if right. you will beach beach alternative mm-hmm. um like very like there's a piece on ocean avenue you know what oh. I mean um <laughs> Just a little styling, a little vocal style. <laughs> like, is she okay right now? <laughs> what is um, so yeah, it was a little yellow card for you if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Power More, I saw Power More for the first time live, and when Haley was like sixteen, not mm-hmm. to brag, but um, yeah. So that was my intro era to that. So, but I was also had to wear um, a, a collared shirt and khakis and stuff to school. So I was like preppy and also Kanye came around at that time and was wearing a pop collar so then we were all doing it too well mind you, you know for anyone who doesn't know Katie and I did not go to high school together we, oh right yeah. we didn't become friends until we both had already graduated high school so um you know we definitely were surrounded by a much different type of demographic like you with the pop collars and but still in Delco and everyone had something to prove somehow but then I came from the other county over where it was like actually preppy like white upper middle class and Mm -hmm. rich our families are just like so loving and still together Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty much yeah Um, I was not a part of that but I that's where I lived so I guess maybe I don't know if that influenced in, in some way where like I just felt even more drawn to not be a part of the oppressor so to speak yeah and really just wanted to feel like I just wanted to be more and more disconnected from that but still find the family and community that I thought I was going to find in hardcore, but it was really all just fakes, phonies and frauds. Well, and see, I same, I did the same thing. I just, again, it took me a little longer. Like I was friends with quote unquote popular people by day and not popular people by night. So like during the day and stuff, like I hung out with, I ran in a fabulous circle of women <laughs> to quote Jill's uh, oh, that's a god. deep cut for anyone out there oh my god listening. that one really got me um that's from real housewives of new york from like first season so anyway i i i did hang out with popular people again i've said not because i was popular by any means it was by proxy popular people liked me why we don't know um but i think they were just like lol she gets so sunburned um <laughs> so that was like my preppy phase whatever but then i would say i started going to shows for real in my senior year and then I started like realizing that the people I hung out with at school like were not my vibe and I kind of did it as a, a means of survival and then I kept kind of one or two friends from that group we kind of bailed out and I then went on to that's when I met you and went on to like start going to shows for real yeah and I don't know if there's <clears throat> anyone out there who is not familiar with these shows that we're talking about we're not talking about like a Broadway play we're not going we're not talking <laughs> about <you> like <laughs> we're not talking about an actual TV show it's like we were going to these bands would play in venues basically like they would rent out like a hall or like a coffee shop all types of venues and most of them were we knew everyone in the band or we knew most of the, the at we least all, one band a night like we were like they're our friends band or we know them or like at one point I feel like we all like the whole tri-state area was essentially like a very very large dysfunctional family and then within those were like smaller families I would drive every weekend hours and hours to go see a show wherever it was it didn't matter weeknights whatever um and it was same deal like we were definitely in search of a family and then I was dating somebody who was involved in hardcore and um you know we were like fully immersed like we were our friends our boyfriends like but I didn't I never it's funny like that phase for me like I don't even include in my list of phases because that was never authentic to me there Mm. were definitely like I knew even at the time when people would say that I was like a hardcore kid or something, I was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I date a hardcore kid and I'm friends with a bunch of them. 
but I didn't like them. All of the hardcore kids I met, I was like, I don't like you, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you you truly suck. Like, truly. There were some that I remain, I still like that I met at that time, but they weren't real hardcore kids. They were pop punk kids who, again, just found themselves like I did in this place. And, you know, because a lot of our friends did listen to both. So they were, we overlapped. And then it was more so like, that's just what there was to do. So that's mm-hmm. where I was. Um, but I didn't, I did not love it. I kind of skipped right over that in my list well, of places. I, I fully embraced it. And I definitely was, that was like my angsty teen years for sure, where I was like, I wasn't like trying to provoke fights or be in them by any means, but I was definitely like, I'm down to watch one. Like I'm like, if one happens, I'm like, you know, that's just part of what happens. And it felt cool. Like it felt like, I don't know, like there was just something intriguing about that, that I just really liked. I just liked the anger of it all. And I liked the And I wonder if that's because you weren't exposed to it at school. No, I think it was probably just because I had a lot of feelings because my I wanted to be anywhere but my house. Like, I did not want to be at home because there was, like, a lot of hostility and yelling and chaos there that I wanted to be somewhere else, at least with my friends. And being at home, it affected me so much that I had no outlet, and, like, that was my outlet. Like, I was not moshing in the pits, but I was definitely, like, part of the crowd and, like, crowd surfing at shows or, like, well, maybe more like concerts. But going to shows, getting pushed around on purpose because it was fun. Like, I – it was – it was an outlet for me at that time because I was just angry. Yeah. <laughs> an angry little girl. So we got that out of our systems. We fist fought a couple times, not each other, but like maybe other people like yelled profanities, you know, usual things. And then I would say after that, I mean, there's so many smaller like micro phases that happened in between because mm-hmm. like whether I was single at the time or whoever I was dating it's kind of a blur, but like the met, the next major phase that um, comes to mind for me was when I guess it was like my mid to late 20s and I was in like um, it was influenced by who I was dating, but I got into like a Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac type of vibe like I was still feeling alternative like I really stuck with the alternative um, overall theme, but yeah, I don't know. I was, like, very much into, like, witchy, just, like, female vocalist Stevie Nick vibes. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, that's just what I was, I, still to this day, I think part of it is because, like, she reminds me of things that I loved previously, like Practical Magic, or um, I got really into American Horror Story, that one season that they did, Coven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just went through like a brief but meaningful phase of loving Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. It's so funny. I would not have – that is not one of the phases I thought you were going to list. Um, I – so I will speak for both of us in that in, – in this part because this is – you were there for this. So it may not be as much of a standout to you. But like I have a period – and again, same deal where I had like a bunch of like micro phases that I could never even sit here and list. But – from the time that we got out of hardcore, which was like mm, 20, 19, 20. I think a little bit later, at least for me. I was maybe like 23, 24. Because like I was dating seven. Like we were still going to shows. He was in hardcore bands. Like we were still going to shows. Yeah. I would say like mid-20s probably is when like we started. Because like that's when I lived with seven. We were starting to become like adults, adults. Like we were like housewives basically yeah but it's like but I also I started dating Ricky when I had just turned 22 we went to one show together and then which is Cro-Mags and then after that like we didn't really go to I would I, go to like his band shows but they, they weren't even hardcore I don't know what you would call those but I didn't really go to them for like I a probably, while I think I lingered a little bit longer than yeah you did. like I didn't um the my phase honestly because like then the music of it all and and th- those types of things get muddled for me because I was into a lot of stuff like I was very into the Beatles very into the Beatles like very into the 70s kind of same deal then I also was into like like alternative like jawbreaker that kind of music um and like into it over it and a lot of like very weird alternative music. And then so I would classify really like 22, 21, 21 to 27 is my blackout period. Catch me 
blacked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Catch me at a bar, at a club, at a party, at a house, at an a alley, house, at a, a car, literally a dumpster, <laughs> a parking lot, a, a garage, a, a burned down warehouse. Yeah, like literally what a warehouse that I got electrocuted at. Um, true, that's a true story. Yeah. So. Um, I was wearing, we've told that story, I think, but I was wearing shoes that didn't have rubber soles and there was like a, an inch of water, beer, pee, I don't know, liquid on the ground and uh, there was live wire and Christy and I were standing there and I, I was like, I was getting electrocuted actively. Multiple as we times. Were, and I was like, God, I feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that whole period of time for me was, I was like kind of no longer trying to find myself I was just trying to ignore myself I was just like whatever it takes to not think about me or whatever the fuck I've gone through or what I feel I was literally doing the exact opposite of what we do now Mm -hmm. um and during that time um oh yeah so it was my drink and my two-step wow um (laughs) blame it on the alcohol literally like that is um a lot of statement necklaces a lot of stockings with jean shorts I had a shaved head um, very desperado. I was a thin, a thin, wispy, wafer thin person, very bleak. Um, and that was also the time that we started loving Forgetting Sarah Marshall, um, also marked by the um, Drinking Out of Cups video. That's mm-hmm. like very, that time period specifically, and getting tattooed. That was when we really took off and like, uh, also, if we're not drunk, we're getting tattooed, and we're getting tattooed, and then we're going to get drunk. I mean, honestly, we were two young gals in our 20s <laughs> with full-time jobs, yeah. no degrees. We had our own apartment. We were literally just free as birds, and like we did whatever we wanted. And it was within our means, sort of, and it was also within... You know, like we weren't extremely reckless. Well, well, I guess it depends on your definition of reckless. There were some things. But either way, we came out generally unscathed. Just mental trauma. Um, yeah. What I'm trying to say <laughs> is that we had a good time. I had fun. I, oh, yeah. I feel like we definitely, like, we were going on trips. We were doing a lot of, like, going out to bars. Like, really discovering, like, the fun party scene. A lot of bar fights. A lot of bar fights. But they were still fun. Like, they were, like... Weirdly, group, activities. group normal activities <laughs> like getting into fights that didn't you know yeah. encompass the whole bar well we didn't have i didn't wasn't going to shows anymore you know we had we had to have listen we were never somewhere. we were never the provokers we, no, were, we were always not. the provokies and so we just defended ourselves honestly yeah. and that's the thing is like Stand by that. we talk about fighting but i feel like for the most part like we have just been on the defense yes. but we're not going to back down so then it makes it look like you know who started it we don't know and we also are listen where I will take ownership is that neither of us especially me is good at being like just let it go like just let it go like who why why do you like they don't even matter like why do you care I my brain doesn't rejects that like yeah. I if I hear it and I just don't like it I'm just gonna react mm-hmm. like I just need um, and I'm working on that. And that's a me problem. But I will say like, yes, we never started it. No. We just, my responsibility wasn't that I should have probably walked away. But instead I said, bitch. At that time period also, um, you know, in the Rookie of the Year movie when he takes his cast off and his arm like springs forward. I'm going to be honest. I've never watched Rookie of the Year. Wow. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, it's, you can imagine it. Yeah. It, he's Whatever. a rookie and, and yeah he's of the year he's, but his arm's in a cast and they take it off and when they do like his arm there's way too much tension because it's like tight so now he can throw really really fast and his arm moves way faster than he even can realize and he's shook by it that's exactly how I felt I would suddenly be there slapping or hitting someone and I it was like out of body like I was like how did I get here my hand moved so fast I didn't even see it coming mm. and I was just like it was like I unlocked a new power and I was like okay I mustn't I mustn't run away with this. I mustn't continue to hit people. But it's really hard when they won't stop talking shit. Um, we digress. <laughs> we digress. So after that, still drinking a lot. But this is when, from 27 until like 30, I had a solid three years of, um, I was a shell gas station. I was a shell. Um, I was just like not a person. I, it was mostly influenced by Regina George by years and years of drinking a lot, um, by 
body disorder stuff and like being like why am I not engaged why have I lived in this hellish apartment now for eight years like what well what is happening I feel like real life was starting to really set in for us at that point because we were approaching 30 and we did spend most of our 20s um as you said blacked out Mm -hmm. and so I think that those years like the last few years of our 20s was a little bit of a wake-up call and I think we each you know we had our respective quarter-life crises you know as well so I I think that that's you know understandable yeah it it was and it was the culmination I only say that I don't want to like dwell on this point because they're it's like a negative space. Like when I picture it, I just picture like my body's there, but like that's it. Just and like a void. Yeah, like I was in survival mode. I just really, and not saying like everything with Ricky was fine. I was just like still waiting for him to get to propose. And then once he proposed, I was like, oh my God, we have to plan a wedding. And it was just like, it was a lot. And and the stresses that come with that and all of it, like it was just, a, it was yeah. a time period that was hard. And at the same time, it was when we as a group started going to the club, not the bars. I am bar gal. I am not a club gal. <laughs> I catch me at a club literally finding anyone and being like, what's your mom's name? And I'm like, do you want to sit down? And I'm like, what? What's your stance on like, global trauma? Yeah, I'm like, mm, you have trauma. I'm like, what happened? Um, so I just didn't. And again, like I just felt, I felt, you know what it was? I didn't even realize it until I just said it out loud. I felt like I was back in the G phase where I was like, yes, I do like this music. I do like being here. These are my friends. But I this isn't like I just don't know what else to do and I was just kind of faking it for as long as I could until eventually towards the end of it is when I was like y'all go on without me I'm not answering your calls I'm not going I will not be there um and I just started bailing out on things as much as I could to not because I just didn't have the energy or the bandwidth to try to fake it anymore yeah um, I went the complete opposite way <laughs> and I really sowed my wild oats during really, that time. Exactly, yeah. I was single. So in 2016, how old was I? What is the math on that? 45. Okay, so I was 45 in 2016 <laughs> and that's when I had, oh, okay, I ended the relationship with seven and then I just skyrocketed into a couple other relationships very quickly. But even after, so once I was actually like single, single, uh, before oh god they all run together there were so many in the past i hated them all i really did the two i hated the most um no i mean either way i was just like i don't even count the relationships let's just like disregard those because mm-hmm. i can't like me as a person i was just like single flirty fun wild carefree and just here to have a good time strictly like i'm going to work that's fine that's great but that's not who I am. Like who I am is like trying to get attention from boys, drinking, having a great time, like laughing, dancing, just doing whatever the fuck I wanted. You definitely started to become more confident. Um, I think you like for real, like well, a little yeah. more. Like at that point, like it was different than like the ska phase when I was yeah. like trying to have a good time. Like this time I had built up enough life experience where I got a little you know, maybe a little cocky at some points thinking that I had things under control in my life and just willing to see what would happen. But I was a whirlwind. Like I was just kind of tumbling through, but trying to have a good time at the same time. Unfortunately, it was at the expense of other people's feelings, yours included, because I was very much in my friendship with Regina George at that point, And she really amplified that that's why we run stuff different pages at that time it was like the height of our um opposites right so being with somebody who was such a strong personality and like a very influential person like not in a good way but um regina george really kind of pulled me to that other side of evil it's like to participate (laughs) in a lot of like gossiping and like talking shit and like talking about the same five stories that happened and like always talking about the same shit Um, But either way, I was I had to go through that phase, though, because again, I think with any phase, I needed to experience it, kind of get it out of my system and then know, you know, maybe this isn't who I fully am and I'm not going to fully embrace or like subscribe to this lifestyle. But it's important that I go through it because I did learn from it. Like I learned a lot. And you also needed that, um, like, you know, during those really being dead honest. I started 
drinking freshman year of high school and I didn't stop. Like I partied hard for a really long time. So you never really had those crazy years that I did where like you that was your time to like finally like express yourself and like do your thing and like so um I think everyone at some point gets that out of their system Mm -hmm. whether it be now after two divorces when you're 60 like you never know um I think if you don't do it it will come for you Mm -hmm. and I do think that for as much as it was a a wild time and I didn't love going to the clubs and like Vegas and stuff that much but um good memories but like you know we're good yeah yeah um I am glad that we got to experience it because I do feel really bad for the the 20 somethings now like in with COVID yeah. like the last couple years and just like the world and like it's we really were life was good like Obama was our president like we were just like living and laughing and loving our way YOLOing our way through Truly. through time um, yeah so um I'm grateful that we had that and I and I do think I needed it to know, to get it out of my system and also then to appreciate, I think, whatever, how everyone does when they hit 30, where you're like, you know what? Nothing beats a soft blanket and a snack at a movie. Like, there is no, that is the height of luxury. Like, all those years going out, I think now I can feel like, you know what? I deserve, mm-hmm. it's like I've retired. Like, I'm yeah. in my retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I put in the work. No, really, though. I mean, like, all I of those. my shoes, my purses, my soul, my All of those, like, everything. nights that were, like, wearing clothes that are so uncomfortable <sighs> and. Out there in the cold, no jackets. Right. Like, feet are killing us. We probably have scoliosis at this point because of, like, the shoes that we were wearing. And diseases from taking them off. I don't think I. I mean, I, I have a I couple did. times, but I could never. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird, though, because, like, looking back on all the phases together, you know, I took bits and pieces from each phase, but now I think that's why I feel even more nostalgic because like if I'm feeling in a high state of anxiety or uncertainty or something, like I will revisit certain things from those phases to soothe myself, like whether it's music or watching a certain movie or looking at pictures or something from that time, like it's my way of now soothing myself mm-hmm. as I'm older. Um but I don't regret or judge myself for any of the phases that I've been through either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's not – I think it's fine to, like, look back and laugh at some of the choices that we made, um, like my tiny little gauges. Um, you know, some things were just, like – it's funny. And, like, bless her heart. You know, yeah. Nikki Glaser was kind of saying this the other day on um, Lady Gang. Um, she was saying how, you know, like, she looks back at herself now and is like, oh, like, bless her heart. Like, she was trying and, like, good for her. Um, and I definitely do feel that way. I think that now it's all kind of culminated in like where I am now is what I'm calling my let's get loud. Let's get loud. Um, where it's like I've I'm no longer like just being quiet and going with the flow and doing what everyone else wants me to do. I changed my career. I got married. I moved to the suburbs. I became like a suburb person where I was always like, like you said, worried I, I was worried about just being a person who lives. I don't want to be a lady who lives in the suburbs. I was like, I'm cool. I need to be in the city. Um, but that's, again, it's just worrying about, like, what people think. And I definitely feel like I'm losing that now more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely – I gained weight, which was, like, my biggest fear in the whole wide world. And I, I can, I'm proud to say I continue to gain weight every day. <laughs> so um, – you know, and I'm trying to embrace that. I'm trying to like really not just be like, this is okay. I don't have to hate myself, but actually maybe like myself. That sounds crazy. Um, but also like, yeah, just like cutting out every narcissist and toxic person in my life. Like all of it. I'm in a phase now where I'm just like being unapologetic. And now I think partially because of that, I honestly, to bring it up today, we are going to get tattooed um, in a few hours, in like an hour and 15, is that right? Wow, an hour and 15 minutes. And um, we're, we haven't gotten tattooed in a long time. And I think it was partially like I didn't like my body, so I didn't even want to consider getting tattooed. And now I think even getting tattooed, especially on my arm that I don't really love, what my arm looks like, um, is even an act of, of just like, no longer hiding and being like and punishing myself Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I um, I definitely think that like you know phases are inevitable. Like we change, we're going to change all of the time, and I think that being aware of that is helpful because the permanence of things can feel really scary and it feels like a lot of pressure sometimes in different ways. So I think when you accept the fact that no matter what it is that you're into right now or like what your mindset is or, you know, what music you're listening to, it will evolve or it will change or it will regress or it will kind of like maybe call back to certain things, but like not fully. So it's all really just like what works for you. For me personally right now, I would like to say that I'm in my Meg Ryan era you had talked about your villain era. I'm in my Meg Ryan era. I'm feeling very like strong-willed. I'm confident. I'm a woman living on her own in a city and trying to find, you know, a partner, but also stick to my convictions and my beliefs because I did have a moment last weekend where I watched not only When Harry Met Sally, but Oh, good. You've got mail. And like in both movies, I just feel so connected to Meg. I told you and those are literally your two no, I know. Those and like, two sides it's of kind of like when I, when I like watched episodes of Friends, like when I was older and I was like the age of like who they were in the show and I was like, oh, I actually get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I felt when I was watching the Meg Ryan movies because she's just on the quest for her significant other, but she's not willing to settle, but she's still going through all of the work and ultimately ending up with the one that she didn't think she would. So, you know, I'm just kind of holding out hope that that's what will happen for me at some point. And I just admire her and that's how I feel. Well, to wrap up, there's a couple things that I wanted to do. So I would say like from your phases and from my phases, we'll pick like one major takeaway that like still resonates with us to this day. Like what is one major thing from each phase that you still incorporate in your daily life mantra today? So I still, I would say more than anything else, I still listen to a ton of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Um, Ray and I work out to one of my old school hip hop playlists and it's literally like the best Um, and the dancing of it all like my love for dancing and dancing to hip hop specifically is like part of my DNA so that's from that my prep phase um my my body dysmorphia is what I take from that okay um she she stays she (laughs) she she persists she persists (laughs) um unfortunately that's my takeaway from that um and and my other friend Christy she'll be my takeaway from that and then um the blackout time was really just like learning to I think probably the our friendship growing and like that was the real living together and having our like fun like um don't give a fuck phase but Laverne and Shirley moment oh I was like what are their names um and then um my shell of a person I learned that I needed to cut people and like start speaking up for myself and doing what I needed to do and like I needed to get to that dark place in order to to like now be like do you want to do that again no so you better speak up for yourself if you don't want to do something um and then now like in my let's get loud I really am like not only the cutting toxicity like like actually cutting it because that was just recognizing it but also like finding repairing myself doing the work like reflecting on it like really healing and and doing all of that and I hope like I keep Mm -hmm. keep doing it what are yours um so from my skanking phase it was I definitely took that just like the fun loving aspect of my personality like I I want to do things that are fun and I as much as I resist the idea of intimacy and family ultimately that is what I want to be a part of so it's important to find that type of community that is actually accepting of that and has the same mindset so um it's a little deep for a ska phase but I mean that's truly like that's how I felt back then Mm -hmm. hardcore I would say just okay so I know we're trying to like cut down on violence and I'm really not a violent person but I think just like the strong mindset of like I don't give a fuck I will stand up for myself and Mm. I will speak up to anyone who has a problem with that or with me or if they like any hostility coming my way I'm not scared of I'm just not like I I've seen I've seen shit you know Mm -hmm. I I'm just not really scared um my Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac era is definitely one that I felt like I took a lot of emotion from like it was like a very emotional artistic type of tapping into that side of myself because listening to her now I just that's when I'm trying to like vibe out and really just 
be one with the earth, you know, mind, mm-hmm. body, center. And my single fun flirty 30 phase is really just also embracing my quest of really growing my relationships in a genuine way and like finding myself at the same time and really kind of marrying those two things together because I think that they need each other. It's like a very symbiotic relationship. Like my relationship with myself, having fun, being independent, that bleeds into how my relationships are with the people that I care about, that I want to have in my life. And I would say the final takeaway, which maybe we can use for both of ourselves and anyone that's listening is that moving forward in the inevitable phases that will come in your life, think about it like this. Any successful business, at the core of it, there is a mission statement, right? There's like a mission statement that they have, that they that's their message they want to put out with their business. So treat your life like a business and always come back to whatever your mission statement is, whether that's me like having good relationships and having fun, whatever it is, just do that and keep that in mind and you will be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And to and to know like every phase is not permanent. You can take from it what you will. Um, and, you know, just don't be afraid to try things out because everyone's going to want to put you in a box and say like, who are you now? How do you identify? What are you? What group are you part of? Well, don't yeah. be afraid to be like, I can be part of this group and this group and this group and it'll all make me a more well-rounded person. Yeah. Um, so to be honest with y'all, we have to go because we have to go get tattooed. We're not going to do diamonds. But... Love y'all. Hope you enjoyed this. Stay Um, tuned for pictures of our tattoos. We're not going to say what they are. They will just be like a pleasant little surprise for you. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll definitely post pictures. Hopefully if they go well. Um, All right. Well, catch us on social media. at We don't know her pod on Instagram and TikTok and uh, send us an email. We don't know her pod at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes and or well, whatever. Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, five stars only. And catch you on the next one. Bye. Peace.